10th episode. Alright, we're up to number 10. Huh, and what do we have special for today's show? Absolutely nothing. It's just the 10th show. So, it'll be just like all the rest. I was kind of hoping to do something special. I guess we'll have to wait and see if I make it to a, I don't know, 50th episode or something. Still, it's nice to not be sick anymore. Yeah, been a couple of days late, but I'm back. Let's do this. Real time. Real time. Today's movie on real time, Cyrano de Bergerac. No, nobody has heard of that. It's a 1950 film, black and white. It is about um, almost two hours long. Here's the description. This classic romantic tragedy comes alive with a stunning performance by Jose Ferrer as the dashing hero whose large nose stands in the way of love. The audacious, the audacious Cyrano is quick to defend himself against mockery, but is weak and timid in love. When he falls for the beautiful Roxanne, played by Mala Powers, he is frozen with fear. The tongue-twisted Christian, played by William Prince, also pursuing Roxanne, commissions Cyrano to write love letters that will win her affection. Not until long married to Christian does Roxanne realize the real author of the letters and her true love. With dialogue of poetic beauty, beauty, Cyrano de Bergerac, produced by Stanley Kramer, who also produced The Wild One and High Noon, also features swashbuckling sword-fighting sequences and an Academy Award-winning performance by Jose Ferrer. I like the movie. It's a good story. Y'all should check it out. Cyrano de Bergerac. There's a movie called Roxanne, also based on that, done by Steve Martin. Okay. <clears throat> So yeah, I've been sick at least a few days ago, and then after that I've been working, so I haven't really had a chance to get on here and do this, but I'm feeling better now. I'm just really tired. Yeah, so... What's new? Nothing much here. Um, I haven't really been reading up on anything new, so I don't know what's going on with the immigration thing, except I I know that there's still illegal immigrants here, so, you know, that's always a negative thing. Um, but on the positive side... Hmm. I don't know. There isn't anything positive. My life is so boring. Anyway, what's up next here? Oh yeah, Poetry Corner. Let's do that. Poetry Corner. Today's poem, written by Marceline de Bourdais Valmore, 1786-1859. This one is called A Memory. 
When he grew pale and his voice trembled and suddenly he could no longer speak, with, when his eyes, burning beneath the lid, gave me a wound, I thought he felt alike, when all his charms lighted by a fire that has never faded, were printed in the depth of my desire, he did not love, I did. Word of the day. Today's word. Contemporary. C-O-N-T-E-M-P-O-R-A-R-Y. Contemporary. It's an adjective. It means modern. From the same time. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, three-minute update usually lasts six to ten, fifteen minutes, I don't know. Okay, first one. What's this come from? What is that? AFP. Hmm. Okay. Biggs Bunny. Monster rabbit devours English veggie plots. This one's pretty good. And there's a picture of this rabbit on my webpage, on the blog, so go to that. Um, London. In a tale reminiscent of the last Wallace and Gromit movie, furious villagers in northeast England have hired armed guards to protect their beloved communal vegetable gardens from a suspected monster rabbit. Lakes, Japanese onions, parsnips, and spring carrots have all been ripped up and devoured by the mystery were-rabbit, prompting the twelve allotment holders in Felton, north of Newcastle, to hire two marksmen with air rifles and orders to shoot to kill. Quote, It is a massive thing. It is a monster. The first time I saw it, I said, What the heck is that? End quote. The Northumberland Gazette newspaper quoted local resident Jeff Smith, 63, as saying on its website, northumberlandtoday.co.uk. He claims to have seen the black and brown rabbit with one ear bigger than the other about two months ago, and at least three fellow allotment holders say they have seen it as well. Quote, I have seen it, and it is bigger than a normal rabbit. It's eating all our crops, and we grow the best stuff here, end quote, said retired miner George Brown, 76, quoted by the Domestic Press Association News Agency. Smith could not be reached for comment Friday, but his mother told AFP that the hair-raising story is true, and no less an authority than the British Rabbit Council said it was credible. Oh boy, they got a council for rabbits. <sighs> Quote, certain breeds do grow very big, like the Continental Giant. Uh, end quote, which can be 66 centimeters, that is 26 inches in length or more. A spokesman for the, Nord, uh, for the Nottinghamshire-based council, which represents rabbit breeders, told AFP. In the last hit movie featuring Wallace and his dog Gromit, the two cartoon characters battle, uh, battled a monster rabbit that was cutting a swath of destruction through locals' prize vegetable plots. Yeah, this is pretty funny. Um, and the picture of this rabbit is, like, almost unbelievable. Because I've never seen a rabbit that big. Never. I mean, we're talking half the size of a man. Um, it's a photo of a German rabbit breeder, Karl Schmalinski, represents his giant male breeding rabbit, Robert, in Elberswald. Anyway, it's 
Pretty interesting. Enormous rabbits. I never knew they existed. Cute looking though. Okay. Next, this one comes from Reuters. Casablanca, named the greatest movie script. Los Angeles, round up the usual suspects. The Writers Guild of America has named Casablanca as number one on its first list of the 101 greatest screenplays. The screenplay for the wartime tale of courage and cynicism starring Humphrey Bogart was written by Howard Koch and brothers Julius and Philip Epstein. It was followed on the list by the screenplay for The Godfather, written by Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola, Chinatown, written by Robert Town, Citizen Kane by Herman Mankiewicz, or Mankiewicz, and Orson Welles, oh, and Orson Welles also wrote that, and All About Eve by Joseph Mankiewicz. Something. Rounding out the top ten were Annie Hall by Woody Allen and Marshall Brickman, Sunset Boulevard by the writing team of Charles Bracken, Billy Wilder, and D.M. Marshman Jr., Patty Chayefsky's Network, Wilder and I.A.L. Diamond's Some Like It Hot, and Coppola and Puzo's The Godfather Part Two. Three writers, Allen, Coppola, and Wilder, had four films on the list, while three others had three. William Goldman, John Huston, and Charlie Kaufman. The list was announced by the Writers Guild on Thursday night. The list was chosen by Guild members from more than 1,400 nominated screenplays. Um, I decided to read this one because Casablanca is an awesome movie, in my opinion. Um, like, what was it? My very first show was, um... My, uh, the real time was... <clears throat> a Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall movie. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's just really good, and Casablanca was good. So I thought that was pretty impressive that it got number one on the top list of um, hmm, movie scripts. Pretty impressive, to say the least. I mean, honestly. I only had those two articles. Um, yeah. Okay, what do we have here? Thousands rally for immigrants across the U.S. You know, I don't even want to read that. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Well, that's all that really looks interesting on here. Hmm. Yep. Anyway, I thought those two were pretty interesting. Yeah, the whole large rabbit and the um, Casablanca thing. Um, Alright, we'll go ahead and finish the three-minute update there. Maybe that was three minutes. Okay, that takes care of that. And this concludes the three-minute update. Maybe on the next episode I'll actually have a little bit more to talk about. Whatever.
quick quotes and fast facts. Our quick quote for the day comes from James A. Baldwin. People are trapped in history, and history is trapped in them. Wow, that is so profound and very deep. Fast facts? Yeah, I got your fast facts for you. <clears throat> These are famous people with famous godparents. Winona Ryder? Her godparent is Timothy Leary. Whitney Houston? Godparent? Aretha Franklin. Bertrand Russell? John Stuart Mill. Jennifer Aniston? Her godfather is Telly Savalas. Peter Scott? Sir J.M. Barry. Jonathan Aitken? Queen Juliana. Mia Farrow? George Cooker? Whatever, I don't know who that is. Robert Cummings Orville Wright. Drew Barrymore, her godfather is Steven Spielberg. Hmm, Angelina Jolie, hers is Jacqueline Bissett. Hmm. Uh, there's your fast facts for the day. Time for the skyscraper. We're up to chapter six. We left off where the uh, delivery boy, Johnny Manton, gave him a gun. So he's uh, gonna help him. Told him not to use the pistol unless he has to. I wondered how he would do an action. We pick up in chapter six here. Sure, he needed a license. But what cop ever asked me for mine? He was old enough, all right, but not smart enough to handle a couple of hard toughs. Not saying I am, but I do manage a lot better than he. Jack and I walked down 34th and Lane and turned at the corner and made our way down to the local bar. We got word that a few of the fat man's boys were filling up on the happy sauce, and I figured now was as good a time as any was as good a time as any to take them. It had been two weeks since I'd given Jack the pistol. He had had a bit of practice and was improving quite a bit. We reached the bar and walked in. The music was loud, the women half-dressed, and it smelled worse than a fat person in summer. I walked over to the bar and Jack followed further behind. It seemed he was a bit interested in a couple that were sucking the life out of each other's faces. It wasn't a pleasant sight, but Jack seemed amused. I sat down on a stool next to a guy with a dirty beard, dirty hands. He was just all over, a bum. I moved down a seat. What'll it be, Mac? the bartender asked. He was a tough guy with a frown. He looked like he had had it all his life. A gin and tonic, and give me another glass with ice in it. He turned and walked to fix the drink. Jack came over finally and sat down next to me. It's a wild place, huh? It's loud, rough, and smells worse than a pig farm. Yeah, it's wild. You been here before? Nope, not my speed. The bartender came back with my drink. Here, that'll be three fifty. I gave him a fiver and leaned over, indicating I wanted to whisper something to him. He didn't like it. You wanting a kiss, pretty boy? He said angrily. No, chubby, I was going to ask you something. Well, ask from there. You know where I could find the fat man? Go fish. 
Maybe I'm not using the right bait. I slipped him a ten spot. Now you're talking more my language. He comes in here sometimes. Those three goons over there are his workers. They do the dirty work. Yeah, I've seen them work. You know where he is now? Couldn't say. If you want to know bad enough, ask one of them. He pointed to the guys at the far table. The fat man's fellas. Thanks. I got up and made my way over to their table. Jack sat at the bar and kept his eye on me. He did all right. At least I had some help now. I reached the table and pulled up a chair. Evening, fellas. Care for a game of poker? No, and who are you? The name's Harry. What's it to you? They weren't amused. I wasn't coming from the right angle. I tried again. I heard about the fat man's gang. I'm interested. He ain't hiring, said a guy in a green beret. Out on a good thing, then. You boys don't know me. I did a guy in a couple weeks ago, and I was looking for a place to hide my mug. I laid a twenty on the table and leaned back in my chair. Still ain't hiring? I asked. We might see a way to get you an audience with him. Follow us. I got up along with them and followed them out. On my way out, I signaled to Jack. It's time for Grobworm. The section of the show where I talk about garden facts, news, etc. We finished up talking about lawn mowing last uh, thing. This time we're going to talk about annual grass weed control in home lawns. This is also from the Ohio State University fact sheet in the Horticulture and Crop Sciences Department. Written by William E. Pound and John R. Street. Annual grass weeds... Our weeds are grass weeds that germinate from seed, grow vegetatively, produce seed, and die within a 12-month period. A number of annual grass weeds routinely invade Ohio's turf grass areas, including crabgrass, goosegrass, foxtail, barnyard grass, fall pansium, and annual bluegrass. Oh, let me throw this in here. Okay, this is written for the Ohio State you know, and, and their grasses and stuff, but most of this can apply, um, unless it's specifically for Ohio. Most of it can apply to, to anywhere. The crab grasses are the most common annual grass weeds in most lawns. Both the smooth and hairy types of crabgrass are classified as summer annual weeds. These grass weeds are considered undesirable contaminants in high-quality lawns because of the lack of compatibility with the desirable turf grasses. These annual grass weeds are usually lighter green in color, have wider leaf blades, and possess more spreading growth habits than the cultured cool-season turf grasses. To ensure crabgrass and other annual grass weeds do not establish in home lawns, both important preventative and control programs must be implemented. The invasion of crabgrass and other annual grass weeds can be prevented to a large degree by maintaining a dense, healthy stand of grass. A high-quality lawn will develop a highly competitive canopy which will shade the soil surface and discourage the germination and establishment of seedling annual grass weeds. Most annual grass weed seeds germinate in the top half-inch of the soil. Preventative control. 
One of the first steps in successful preventative programs is to seed or sod a properly adapted turf grass species in the lawn. Following establishment, adequate fertilization programs and cultural practices facilitating the maintenance of a dense canopy including proper mowing practices, good watering practices, and insect and disease control programs are important. In newly established lawns, thin lawns or unthrifty areas of the lawn where adequate density is not present, to provide formidable preventive control, annual grass weed establishment should be anticipated. The crabgrass seeds in the soil begin to germinate in the spring once the soil temperatures warm to nighttime minimum temperatures of 52 to 54 degrees Fahrenheit for at least five consecutive nights under conditions of mo moist soils. Pre-emergent herbicide control. For homeowners who cannot satisfactorily address the control of annual grass weeds in a preventative manner with strictly cultural controls, the best way to stop annual grass weeds from establishing in their lawns is through the use of pre-emergent herbicides. Pre-emergent herbicides are chemicals that prevent the germinating weeds from establishing in the lawns. These herbicides control annual grass weeds by inhibiting cell division in the young root system. The failure, the failure of the root system to develop results in the death of the young seedling weed shortly after germination. Lawns with thin strands of grass that do not provide 100% cover may require yearly applications of a pre-emergent herbicide to prevent the invasion of crabgrasses and other annual grass weeds. In Ohio, Dense, high-quality lawns may not need yearly applications since crabgrass only occasionally establishes in lawns with good density. A number of pre-emergent herbicides are available to homeowners for annual grass weed control. All of these herbicides have not been tested at the Ohio State University for several years. These approved herbicides are listed in Table 1. Common names, Benefen, Bensulide, DCPA, Pendimethylin, Oxidizon, Cidron, whatever. Pre-emergent herbicide applications for annual bluegrass control should be made. Okay, so pre-emergent herbicides, might want to treat your lawn with them. That concludes the grub worm. Which in turn means the end of the show. Oh, well, thanks for listening to episode 10. Surprised I've made it this far and uh, that I'm still doing this. Um, yeah. If there's any questions, comments, suggestions, complaints, email me. At poor, P-O-O-R, underscore, O-L-D, underscore, L-U-1-7, at yahoo.com. Or check out my uh, weblog that's linked to this podcast in iTunes. And, uh, yeah, leave comments or something. Anyway, that's it for today. Who knows, I might decide to do another one, or I might quit, I don't know. I'll see you guys in a day or two if I decide to keep going. You've just been out of the lion's den. Thanks for listening, and we'll hear you next time.
You know, that really hurts. 